from most sexy to least sexy. Bikini briefs, briefs, boxer briefs, or boxers. Or none. Oh, dear. Wait, can I, huh? This is Hank Hill. And I'd like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. I'll tell you what. Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by the lovely, the amazing Aaron. How are you, my dear? I'm well. How are you? I am well also, stranger. I know. It's been I like... I am well. Thank you for asking. All May right. Uh, it is July 13th, and we have a fantastic show for you this week, underwear speech aside. So, what happened to uh, this past month? Anything interesting? Anything exciting? Uh, I went to Atlanta... To visit some family. How how was that? I'm sure it was nice and cool. Ugh, God, it's so hot. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I hardly even noticed. We don't. We didn't do a lot of outdoor kind of shit because we're not the outdoorsy type. So, um, you know, we spend a lot of time from air conditioned car to air conditioned house to you know. So it wasn't so bad, but it was great. I had a great time. It's Josh's family. They love me. I love them. They're the funniest people I've ever met. He has a grandmother um, who's. I have two of them. You do? I have none. Yeah. I mean, they're not alive, but I have oh, two of them. I had two ones, too. Also. <laughs> um, lost them. But he has one left. Her name's Ma, and everybody Lucky calls her Ma. bastard. And she's the funniest old lady that has ever, ever lived. Funnier than wow. all the old ladies that are funny Like now. traditional, like, say, PG-13 humor funny, no. or just quirky, As, or... No, no. She's not, like, cute grandma funny. She's, like, oh. She's like simultaneously the nicest woman I've ever met and the meanest. <laughs> which oh, is that's great. Like my favorite kind of person, of course. It's like a good, cute, a good, good person, but with a fucking <laughs> razor sharp tongue. And she, <laughs> and her favorite targets, of course, are her family, you know. So the more she picks on you, the more she loves you. But oh, I can see where Josh so cool. gets like his antagonistic, <laughs> hard, yeah. harsh love. That's awesome. I love that. She I love great. that about people. Yeah. His whole family like that. There's too much nicety in the world. There's too many people that are just like, well, I should be nice. No, no, no. Be honest. Be a little yeah. edgy. It's so much more interesting. And the nicest yeah, I, people I've ever met, like, when they think they're nice, they're usually the, the biggest menace to society. <laughs> yeah. These people who think they're doing good for other people are being nice, but really they're just being the, you know, antithesis of nice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, when early on, when I was a young kid, m- my parents told me that my uh, grandfather, who my I was named after, um, was like the dirtiest person, old man in the world. Like he would, he was an old uh, World War vet, and he just was dirty as all hell. I think just jokes after jokes after jokes. So, I've lived my entire life with that shadow, and I've been like trying to live up to it. <laughs> Oh, God. The entire time since I learned of it. Like, yes, I want to do justice. I have to be just as uh, raunchy. And because, you know, just like you were saying with the grandma, that it, it's just the way 
it's so much more interesting. It's yeah. so much more personable. And when you do rib someone, it's your way of showing mm-hmm. a little bit of affection. I mean, that's good. And especially with people who can actually take a fucking joke. And if you can't, yeah. well, that's your problem, not ours. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, uh, uh, I got so many damn notes here. Let me see what I... Let me see after I've already broken the rhythm, which will go well with what we were just speaking to. So this past week, um, actually, this was actually a couple weeks old. But okay, so for Father's Day, my daughter got me this T-shirt, which um, it's got like the Superman symbol on it, like the new Superman symbol on it. Um, and so I wear this to work on a Friday because I just demand there's never been any like official anything, but I'm just like, it's Friday. It's going to be casual day. I don't care what anyone else says. You wear button up shirts all week. You want one day where you don't have to wear a button up shirt. So I bring my, I'm wearing my Superman shirt, which it's black and it's, it's not, it's not like nerdy, nerdy. It's like mild under the cover nerd because it has Superman symbol on it, but it looks good. It's not like a cheesy, you know, comic book thing. So I go to work and at some point we're, we're all talking and this is with a group of people, by the way, I have to preface this, who, uh, do nothing but put stickers all over their stupid fucking helmets and clothing and laptops and they live as a, a, a shell for other corporate entities or other businesses or other ideas uh, and that half of them are sort of like, uh, superhero nerds anyway, um, but they start mocking me because of the shirt. It's like, what the, f- what the fuck is? Ro- are you like, are you serious? Like, one of them is wearing a old school comic book Wolverine T-shirt, and he's making fun of a Superman T-shirt as if it's not cool enough to wear. And I'm so sick and tired of this idea that you have to somehow conform to someone else's idea of, well, that's the cool thing to wear, so maybe you should do that. It's a fucking shirt. Why the fuck do I have to? Think about what my colleagues at work are going to think when I'm putting together what I'm going to wear in the morning. I would rather focus on getting my kids ready and getting them out the door and, and, you know, getting food for the fucking day and, you know, I don't know, important things than to think, is this t-shirt going to fit the mold for the other asshats that I fucking work with? And it's just, it's so fucking frustrating. I, I live my life trying my damnedest not to be branded in any sort of way. I get a fucking t-shirt for Father's Day, I wear it to fuck, and they fucking call me out on it the first motherfucking day. Fuck! I can't even wear a motherfucking t-shirt on a day that I have deemed a relaxed day without getting some piece of shit that makes less than half that I do, that is worth less than that than I am, that I would just... If they got hit by a car, I would probably back up over them and then just drive fucking by. Why the fuck? Do I, it drives me nuts. And what to compound all of this, what drives me nuts even fucking more is that it actually bothers me that these pieces of fucking shit have the gall. They've got the fucking balls to fucking call me out. He's wearing a fucking 1973 Wolverine fucking t-shirt. Come on. Was Wolverine uh, around in 1973? I just threw out a fucking Look, date. I, don't know. I hope. Well, I hope you learned your lesson at least. I did. Never <laughs> try to be yourself. <laughs> Always wear your button-up shirt to work. That's what you get for thinking it was casual Friday around the office. Yeah. Un- um, unfucking believable. 
I don't know. Maybe they had a maybe they had a good point. You know, I don't know. I mean, were they oh, just shit. trying to to help you? You know, fall in line. I don't know. It seems like it does seem a little bit um, hypocritical to have a guy wearing a Wolverine T-shirt call you out for it. That seems that seems out of line completely. It was just it was all around. It was a weird, weird thing, and it's probably because I set myself up for it. Well, like yeah. I, I mock them all the time for wearing oh. fucking branded <laughs> stuff. And so they were just like, oh, I can't believe this happened. (laughs) You know, and so they just all fucking doubled down when they had the opportunity. We definitely just got to the bottom of things here. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you were the asshole first, Adam. (laughs) But it's not the same in that when I'm mocking them, I'm not like it's not something I normally like. I wouldn't buy. I didn't go out of my way and say this is this is awesome and vintage and ironic. And I'm going to buy this and wear this is what they do on a daily basis. They they show for corporations or they buy something that's supposed to be hipster like ironic. It was a fucking gift that I was given. I I didn't like go out of my way and like you know say oh this is gonna be an ironic statement on society and blah blah blah. No, it was just a fucking my kid got it for me. I wore it one fucking day and I get shit for it. Well, I think <sighs> maybe so. there's no difference. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on the topic of t-shirts, since this is so much better of a fluid transition. So I've got a nephew who is doing, uh, he's a screen printer and he's actually a really fucking good screen printer. Uh, And I talked to him about helping him with his website and then in like sort of in trade, I would put out like a five design satanic t-shirt line with him. And so I wouldn't have to pay anything for the t-shirts or the designs. And and I'm sort of brainstorming through different ideas. But I want to reach out to the greater audience here. And Aaron, if you have any amazing ideas, which I'm sure you do. I would like your input. What type of satanic t-shirt that is not ripping off something that exists right now would interest you? Like, what what do you think would be an interesting t-shirt? So I'm I'm thinking of sort of these devil advocate... um, uh, concepts that mm. I'm sort of swilling around my head. So nothing formal, nothing structured, but if you were to buy a t-shirt that maybe isn't overtly satanic, but definitely has some satanic undertones, what would it be? Would it be a Down to the Crossroads t-shirt? Oh, perhaps oh, so. <laughs> perhaps a Josh Slada original design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what would interest you? So if you have something that, that uh, you want to share... I encourage it. Info at ninecentspodcast.com. Let me know. I've, I've got like five different designs I can put together, and I want to uh, put something out that I think that, you know, the listeners would appreciate, or just internally, those of us who um, contribute to the show, uh, speaking to you, Aaron, uh, would appreciate. Sweet. So let me know, people. Let me know what you think. Um, there are actually some other sh- things I want to touch on. Um, oh, gosh. Here's here's one thing. And, and I, this is something that I've been sort of batting around for a while now every once in a while i have people on this show that i'm interviewing um that i don't necessarily agree with everything they say uh and i think that's what is great part i should say part of what's great about this podcast is that we're not trying to sell or we're not trying to shill one specific uh thought process or idea or way of living or thinking or being it's just a sort of open forum of satanic thought and uh, at times debate and at times pure entertainment and bullshitting. That's what I like. And so when 
every once in a while, either a segment or an interview comes along and it's something that I either find wildly interesting or I just think would be interesting for some of the audience listeners, I put it out there. I don't believe every single fucking thing that I share through this venue. For everyone I talk to, I don't believe everything that they fucking say. And I hope that as we're going uh, you know, through this nine-year period of nine cents for the audience, I hope you are all listening to this and not just writing down and taking notes and saying, okay, this is what Satanism is. Because it is something that is so much greater than what a podcast possibly could hope to uh, distill or hope to convey. I want to make sure that everyone understands that when when we're speaking, we are not speaking for the Church of Satan. When we are speaking, we're speaking about our own life experience and thoughts as Satanists. And sometimes I have people that aren't even Satanists on the show just sharing their thoughts because there's something either there's a, a note or a thread that uh, would resonate with the listeners who are Satanists or there's a Satanic essence to uh, who and what they are or, or whatever the case may be. I just want to make sure everyone understands that we are not trying to define uh, what Satanism is that's done in the Satanic Bible. So want to get that out. If you have questions, uh, we have an organization whose sole purpose is to defend and define what Satanism is, and that is the Church of Satan, the one and only place. So if you have questions about Satanism that you want to come from the source, I would suggest Satanic Bible, Satanic Scriptures, and churchofsatan.com, and there are uh, avenues of reaching out to the administration and to spokesmen, and whenever you come and you speak to us here on Nine Cents Podcast, it is very much... Satanists who are active members, uh, in most cases, who just are sharing their own um, perspectives on Satanism and their lives and life itself. Uh, this wonderful thing that we're all sharing together. So uh, keep that in mind. I want to make sure that's absolutely clear. Um, I went to... Uh, I, you know what? I'm actually not going to talk about it. I'm, I'm going to bring this up. Um, just sharing a little bit of personal fucking struggle here I speaking about goals personal struggle stories <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially when there's somebody else's <laughs> not mine i have been the older i get um the more i struggle with maintaining uh what i would consider a good looking fucking body <laughs> oh sing it sister <laughs> i tell you what girls <laughs> this <laughs> is right, a fucking ladies? it's it's like an absolute struggle so you know Tell i, I do my it. damnedest to watch what i eat to make sure i'm healthy i i i do everything that i want to do in order to feel the way that i want to feel and no matter seemingly no matter how fucking hard i work i just I, i'm not fucking happy and i'm, I'm starting to think either disorder and it's not just eating because it's exercising and stuff like that so i'm starting to think either i i have an unrealistic view or unrealistic expectation of what a near 40 man bottom 40 year old man's body should look like because i am fucking struggling with getting to where i like when i look at myself in the mirror i i feel like i should be versus where i am Mm. it's 
it's it's absolutely insane. Every fucking time I go to my allergist, which is you know every couple months, um, they weigh you and mm. sort of check your breathing and shit like that. I get heavier and heavier, and so I don't like I'm not like a, a fucking slobby slug. <laughs> I fucking exercise every fucking weekday. I have an active lifestyle. I don't understand why the fuck I keep getting fucking bigger and heavier and it's not like overtly fat or just it's like thicker like I <laughs> this is gonna sound really weird when I was a young man I saw there was these brute TV commercials where these guys were like you know like any stupid scent commercial it's like guys oh, running yeah. out of a fucking ocean or some shit like that and these guys were just like thick like barrel chested thick guys <laughs> they weren't like you know crazy cut fucking teen guys that you see nowadays in TV shows and stuff. Just thicker guys, but they were physically fit. That's what I am right now. Like it's, and I don't, I don't necessarily like it at all. Like it's bothering me. I feel like one of those fucking weirdos. Well, as a, as a person who has had, who has never, ever had the body that she thinks she deserves. (laughs) Let me tell you, it's, it's only going to get worse. (laughs) The older you get, the more you're going to hate this body that you've been cursed with. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I um oh this is so, this is so funny. It's something I struggle with all the time. But what I think my the best advice anyone could give you um if you were to ask me for advice would be to just get used to it, sister, cuz <laughs> you're it's not going to get easier. It's it's fucking entropy. We're all hurtling toward a disastrous end, which is death. And <laughs> and it's it like you know, your room doesn't unmess itself. It just gets messier. And that is your body. <laughs> it's just going to get uglier and droopier and flabbier and thicker in your case. Like, it's just going to get worse. So you better work on getting used to it. <laughs> <laughs> because I work out I work out seven days a week. I have done this for the last 15, 10, 12 years. Um, because I was, a, I grew up a fat kid. I was a fat young adult I still struggle and by struggle I mean I work out seven days a week without fail unless I am on vacation (laughs) and I watch what I eat and I take really good care of myself and this is the best I can do and you can't imagine how hard it is (laughs) to come to terms with with that fact that I work as hard as anyone I know sometimes harder (laughs) than most people I know. And, but, and this is the best I can do. So my advice, you know, for an an aging gentleman is to just, you know what? And Adam, I have to be honest with you. I've seen you in person. You're a very good looking man. So a few, and a few extra pounds on you is certainly only going to do you, you know, do you a favor. Um, If you were suddenly, you know, gaining 10 pounds every, you know, month, I would worry about you. But I think, you know, you're going to you're hurtling toward this awful end. And, uh, you know, you're going to get older. Things are going to get harder. Everything's going to get a little harder. I think Um, as long as you come to terms with that, I think you'll be okay. It just, you know, just you can't let yourself go. That's all you can't do. (laughs) Yeah. And that is the it's the hardest thing I, I, I can't. I mean, part of it, I'm, I'm positive, comes from, you know, condi- mental conditioning from my mom. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into the whole fucking therapy thing. But <laughs> so I, I know where, like, the seed is from. Um, it's just that it, it's – and my wife every fucking day says you are not – you know, because this is like mm-hmm. – <laughs> 
she must I must be driving her nuts because it, it is the topic that is always on my mind and it drives me nuts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it it's getting to the point where I'm recognizing, okay, this is just me not able to rationalize uh, aging and not able to come to terms with this is what my body looks like. Mm-hmm. But it it doesn't alleviate the frustration that I feel every goddamn day, you oh, know, because you tell me about it. <laughs> you fucking and the worst part is, is you fucking run and you strength train and you don't see like you see. Obviously, your muscles are getting toner, but mm-hmm. there's still this. It's just not doing what you want. And I like to live, and I like to live. I don't want to live in a gym. Is my point. So I know that I could get to where I see in my head I should be Mm -hmm. but that would require so much time out of my life away from my kids away from my wife away from my job and my hobbies that I I cannot rationalize doing that if I was single and you know didn't have any kids okay no problem yeah but and so I just you just at some point I have to I have to be okay with it but god damn it if it's not a fight to get there well I can't I mean I can't I agree with you more. <laughs> I think you picked the best person in the world to talk to this, to talk about this with, because it's something I definitely go through every single day of my life. And, you know, um, I, I'm lucky in that, you know, there was a time where I was really in shape. Like I was a fat kid, like I said, fat young adult. And then I went fucking bananas and just lost, you know, I got down, I lost over a hundred pounds and I, you know, got sick and I was, but I was just like, I'm fucking doing this this time. And it, you know how much time it took, like every single second of every day was consumed with thoughts of what I was going to eat. And I was, you know, three hours at the gym, seven days a week. I mean, it just became excessive. And that's the thing I think about now when I look in the mirror and say, well, sweetheart, this is probably the best you can do unless you want to go back to that. You know, Mm -hmm. no one has that kind of time. I don't want to spend that kind of time. You have to weigh the, you know, the pros and cons. Like, yes, sure. Anyone could look like, um, I don't know, Paris Hilton or some other, you know, thin actress. But it would take me, a person like me, whose whose body just wants to be big. You know, I just mm-hmm. the world wants me to eat. Um, you know, it would take my whole life. I'd have to dedicate huge chunks of my life that I just don't fucking. You know, maybe you'll reach that point where you're just like, well, fuck that. You know, I can only <laughs> spend so much time on this shit before it's, uh, you know, it's just all consuming. Yeah, and it is weird because obviously any amount of activity is it's good for your heart, it's good for your health, it's yeah. good for your mind. So there's so many reasons to do it. Um, mm. It's just getting over that that mental hurdle that, that some of us are just stuck with. Yeah. Um, that sort of makes it a compulsion in some cases, <laughs> but also, uh, you know, obsessive and um, I don't know. It, it, thing is, is as you know, for, for you and I, we are able to um, objectively look at our behavior, understand yeah. why we're doing it, so uh-huh. I, I don't see an issue um, at all with it. It's just it's just getting over that you know, looking reality in the face can sometimes hurt. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I encourage it all the times. Uh-huh. Um, I, like every time you look in the mirror, just take an honest assessment of who and what you are. But it's hard. It really is hard for us yeah. as well as I'm sure the listeners and stuff. I just thought that would be worth talking about um, for the audience yeah. and uh, maybe a little bit for me too. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about what we have in store for the audience during this show, because it's going to be a fucking good one. Yeah. Uh, half an hour in. So we're <laughs> going to do a little nine cents letters. Thank you for everyone. Um, thank you to everyone who sends uh, correspondence in 
uh, send your own if you haven't already, to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know what you think. If you have a question for 9 Cents Letter segment, send it in just like this gentleman did, and we're going to be addressing that. Infernal Informant, we're going to have uh, really, really great ones. Group flies swastika over New York Beach in order to foster peace and understanding. (laughs) And, that's so great, and the best worst president ever. I read this, and I loved this art blog. Uh, then down to the crossroads, obviously, Aaron's here. What do we have in store? <clears throat> this one's called Gandhi Dancing in the Hobo Jungle, part one. That will be a part oh, two. Oh, shit. Yeah, this All is right. so good, I had to break it in half. <laughs> just, just it sounds really fun. Like, just your title there sounds exciting, so I'm, I'm really looking forward well, to this. I hope you like it. <laughs> I'm going to hate it, man. I probably will. I'm going to love it all. All right, so let's start with Nine Cents Letters now. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. Hello, Adam. I have a question I wanted to run by you because I heard you mention before that you're more cape and candle like myself. Anyway... Can I perform a compassion ritual and be successful for an individual who's not of the left-hand path, but is awesome and very worthwhile person? The one whom I'm speaking of has some health issues and is more than deserving of that extra help that advanced medical sciences cannot provide. But mind you, they are following all instructions from their physician, but the situation could really use a nudge. Thanks, Adam. I really appreciate it, man. Hail Satan. So before we address this, I, I want to speak um, really quickly to something that I've noticed uh, not just in this email or this correspondence that came through in an email, I, but to all the listeners out there. Um, and this is going to benefit you in life. It's something that I had to learn uh, the hard way in, in uh, a couple of cases, actually. You need to proofread what you're writing. Like you need, <laughs> like you need to type it out. Every just let the unconscious stream of thoughts get on that page, but then you need to go back and you need to reread it <laughs> as if you didn't know what the subject was. Because when we read these correspondence, sometimes it's hard for us to get through them. We stumble because it's not written correctly, or there are grammatic errors or structural errors. You know, just I, I'm not expecting you to anyone to be an English major, but I, I would like a little bit of proofreading just to make our lives a little bit easier because, and, and also here, when you're going to ask a question, I hope this doesn't discourage anyone. When you're going to ask a question, think of what follow-up questions we might have while we're answering the, the, your main question or, or other relevant information because we'll be able to nail down really, really well a good, solid, uh, worthwhile answer if we have all of the pieces we need to put an answer together with. In this case, I think you did a really good job talking about them following what the physician uh, instructed. But just, you know, some of the past correspondences has been a little dodgy and a little difficult to interpret. So just moving forward, if you could, we would really appreciate uh, a quick double check. Read it as if you don't know what this means. And, and that way it's easier for everyone. <laughs> that being said, Aaron, what do you think? 
Um, I just like imagining everyone at home being, well, I'll fuck it then, Adam. I won't write in. Just forget Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just going to talk shit about my fucking writing. You know I took 12 years English. And in all fairness, I could have read this beforehand. <laughs> that might have helped if I'd... Well, I wasn't trying to mean. It's constructive <laughs> criticism. I, I want to make no, sure I everyone totally. understands that this, this actually is really good in business and in life. Oh, Double definitely. read everything. Yeah. Well, I say uh, do it. Go for it. This extra help, yeah, you know, do a compassion ritual if that's what you want to do. I don't see, it. I don't see what harm it could bring. Of course, I don't know exactly what good it will do, but that's just my jaded outlook. But do you, do you perform compassion rituals, Adam? Um, very rarely. Yeah. I mean, is it because you're I mean, soulless, poor, <laughs> <laughs> awful human being like me, or is it just because you? Well. You know, Obviously, but <laughs> secondary. Um, no, it's just that I, I – okay, so I, I got to be honest. Whenever – when I drag myself – I don't drag myself. When I drag myself to a ritual, it, it better be fucking something that I'm really amped up about. I don't just – hey, it's weekend. I got three hours to kill. Let's <laughs> let's do a ritual. I, I you know, it's got to be – Ritual chamber. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I have a lever yeah. on my couch that – Plummets me down to the ritual chamber where my maidens in distress are all chained to my altar. Um, oh my no, no, I, I rarely uh, ritualize, to be honest, um, yeah. less than a handful of times a year. So when I do ritualize, uh, it's got to be something that I'm really, really amped about. Um, in the case of whether or not, and I guess this is the core of the question here, that it's not really addressed. Does greater magic work this is my interpretation of the core mm-hmm. of the message does greater magic work on non-satanists mm-hmm. that's what it seems like he's really asking yeah and definitely. if uh i'm gonna say it like this because there's a lot of different interpretations of this if you believe in greater magic then it doesn't matter if they're a satanist or not it it matters that you want to influence someone or something uh, that apparently you are unable to influence any other way. Um, or it's because you want to uh, get over something that is hindering you. And of course, most of those cases are not say, Satan, Satanistic, Satanic referenced <laughs> things that you need to get over anyway. So yeah, if you feel like you need to um, uh, conduct a ritual, then that alone, your your feeling of needing to do it is all you need so the sole purpose of ritual is to get over something to 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 help someone feel like you're helping someone to um influence the world around you and if you feel like you need to do that then by all means get your ass in that decompression chamber and do what you need to do um and and like aaron said I don't know how much, you know, paraphrasing, I don't know how much is good it's going to do. Um, this is not a magic bullet. Uh, I, I, and this is kind of tough because you have Satanists. You have Satanists who do not believe in magic. You have Satanists who are practicing magicians um, that own successes that they have. Um, the creator, the founder, uh, our late high priest, uh, Magus Anton Sander LeVay was a practicing magician. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if you truly uh, 
go into this with the intentions of helping, uh, if the only thing that comes out of this is them knowing that you went into the ritual chamber to help them, that may be enough. Let's be honest. Uh, in any medical situation, any health situation that requires medical, advanced medical science, as it's written here, um, it sounds like a bad fucking thing. <laughs> and you are not, I, I may get shit from this from some people, you are not curing cancer with a greater magic ritual. It will not fucking happen. And I don't want anyone to, and I'm glad you said in this that they are following the physician's um, instructions. Because I don't want anyone to think that greater magic is sort of this uh, ticket that you can cash and achieve something with. So if you are going to die or you are hurt or you want to do something that you normally cannot do, don't just use greater magic ritual as, well, I performed a ritual, so now I can fly. Let's jump off the bridge. It won't fucking work. It is not a fucking magic bullet. Funny. Greater magic is not a magic bullet. Greater magic is a step. It is a tool. It is uh, an option that Satanists can use to influence the world around you. But remember that these are small nudges. These are not lifting up the... the uh, the car or the, the tree that's in your path. It is not murdering the dude who looked at you wrong. It, these are nudges in reality. And it requires follow-up on your part. Either allowing the ritual to rid you of your angst and moving about your life in a productive manner, or allowing the ritual to encourage those who are uh, hurt or in need in some way allowing them to know that you truly care about them and that you are there for them and that you are willing to do whatever it takes to help them through things. And if that just means it eases their mind, isn't that worth it? So, yeah, I agree with Aaron. Absolutely. If you feel like you need to conduct a ritual, in this case, in any case, it doesn't matter if they're a Satanist. It doesn't matter even if... Even if you don't like the person, I don't know why you would do a ritual, a compassion ritual if you don't like the person. I'm just saying that <laughs> if you, it, it's all about you. It is not about the other person or the end goal. If you feel like it can benefit, then do it. Absolutely. Man, I love it when you drop science like that. <laughs> hey, it's just cold hard fact. Look it up. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to be a, like Deepak Chopra or Dr. Oz over here. I, this drives me crazy. You find this uh, in Christian circles. Yeah. Well, well, I prayed. I prayed. Why isn't everything I asked for here? You can't go into the ritual chamber and say, well, I conducted a magical satanic ritual. Why am I not rich? Yeah. It don't fucking work like that. Or I conducted my magical satanic ritual. Why isn't that piece of shit dead who pissed on my car? Mm. Weird fucking yeah, situation. <laughs> um, it... It, it's just one fucking thing, man. It's one tiny little thing that helps nudge. You're not going to... It's not like D&D. &D. You're not going to conjure fireballs and shoot them at people. All right. Now you're <laughs> now you're really stepping into dangerous territory. <laughs> Let's not insult the D&Ders out there. <laughs> you might lose half your audience right now. <laughs> oh! <laughs> okay. So I think I made that point. I, I'm not trying to knock anyone that does fully believe in greater magic having powers that are amazing 
because I, I do genuinely think that there is something to greater magic and I practice it because of that. Um, but it is not an end all. And, and I don't want anyone, I don't care if you just barely came into Satanism or if you feel like you're, you've been doing this for 30 years, uh, it, it's, it's just not going to fucking move mountains. It is not. And don't go into it expecting it to. So if you're going to conduct a ritual for this person, I hope, I hope that you're not like walking up to them on their deathbed and they're like, <laughs> and you're like, I got this. <laughs> and you run over and you do it and you come back and they're like all, like, you're not like, Satan, why? <laughs> you know, like, that's, it's, it's not like that. It doesn't work like that. It's not. <laughs> I hope no one who listens to the show thinks, thinks that might happen. I, I just, I feel like you just never know. You never do know. That's true. And I'm glad you said something. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm definitely not trying to insult anyone. I, th- I, I, think I if am. You- I am. Okay. Well. The most people I can insult, the better. <laughs> the more, the better. Okay. So yes, please right. conduct said ritual and, and uh, give the love and support that you're willing to give to this person and help make, if they have to pass, it as comfortable as possible if you love them. Um, all right, let's do a little Infernal Informant. You want to do that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Here we go. Hey, what's going on fast? Uh, Infernal Informant. Get on the truck. You out now. All right, this is from collegenews.com. Fuck, dude. I should have found a different fucking place to get this article from. This is from collegenews.com. I feel like it was translated from the original language, like from English to another language and then back to English. Yes, yes, yes. So group flies swastika over New York Beach in order to foster peace and understanding, posted July 13 by Anthony Villarreal. Holy fuck! Oh my god, Villarreal! Holy fuck! Is this you, man? Listening? Imagine if he wrote this and we we're just... Oh my gosh, if you did, you gotta tell me. Okay, so the International Raelian Movement flew a plane carrying a banner adorned with a swastika, Star of David, Peace, sign, why is the E capitalized? Because <laughs> this website blows. And pro-swastika message over beaches in New York and Long Island. The International Raelian Movement annually tries to remind people that the swastika is a symbol that predates its Nazi party connections. You think someone doesn't know that? Uh, And should be remembered as a symbol of well-being and not as the evil symbol many terrible people saluted prior to committing horrendous, committing horrendous (laughs) acts of violence. Although the International Raelian Movement insists it has good intentions, we must remember these are the same people who believe aliens created human beings, so anything they say or do should be treated with the same way you would treat a small child doing the same idiotic things. Yeah. Well, um, I agree with that. But I would like to say to the Raelian movement, first of all, I mean, come on. But second of all, let it go. Just for, just let the swastika, <laughs> is it that important that you fucking take the swastika back? Just, just concede. Just go, okay, you know what, Nazis? You can have this one. Because it's just as <laughs> simple. Like, well, pick a different one, you fucking idiots. So like, great. okay. I know I'm, I'm calling these people fucking idiots as if they, they didn't already know that they were fucking yeah. idiots because they're fucking idiots and they know it. They're fucking Raelians, I mean. Yeah, yeah. 
I had to look up what they were. I didn't know. Oh, they're they're fucking idiots. <laughs> I hope that's what you found out in your yeah. research. I've, <laughs> I've converted to Raelianism. <laughs> I am a Raelianist. <laughs> yeah, they believe that like they UFOs and shit. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They're a hoot. Let me tell you. It's a lot like um, oh, what is it called? Uh, the prequel to the Alien series, Prometheus. Yeah. Where it's kind of like aliens came down and they seeded the... Which, you know, it, it may have been an asteroid from another planet with bacterial life and we just had the perfect environment. It may have been an alien coming over and doing it. It may have been a Jesus godly figure saying, uh, who knows? I don't fucking care. None of those That's things. not really the point of this. <laughs> none of those things. Probably none of those things. It was the egg is what it was. You fucking retard aliens. It was the egg. Um... Yeah, but, I mean, who gives a shit? Why is the swastika so fucking important to these peaceniks? I love that, right? Like, I am drawing a fucking swastika line in the sand, and I am taking this bitch back. It reminds me of this old saying that I heard uh, when I was, like, researching becoming a tattooist years ago. You're only as good as your last ink. Yeah. Like, you may have done some wonderful things under this symbol, but the symbol is only as good as the people who last use it. And guess what? They were pretty motherfucking bad. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> let it go. Just, just it's not I that just big don't a deal. Understand. It's, a, it's a few lines yeah. and a few, you know, it's a few lines. Like, pick some different lines. Fuck There's this really great uh, banner photo that was flown over New York, and it has a heart, it looks like. It has a plus symbol, and it has a peace sign, and it equals the swastika. Mm-mm. It's fucking awesome. Oh, boy. You can't, <laughs> you have to be so so fucking dumb yeah. to think that a banner over New York, people are going to look at them like, oh, they got a point. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're like super geniuses. Maybe this is the funniest like troll, like prank yeah. on the planet. You know, these idiots are like, they just, maybe they just want to fly a fucking swastika over the city of New York and, and, and have a good laugh at it. If that's the case, then I'm all, I am way behind <laughs> them on that. If they're just like, you know what? I want to fly a swastika over the beaches of New York and they're just like how can we do that though <laughs> and we'll, we'll pretend that we give a shit about it but in reality <laughs> we just want to be a bunch of assholes and fly as well. I want to see Hamas do this over Israel but, during the shelling of fucking Palestine I mean I do too but that would be amazing yeah yeah I, I, and so I guess you know aside from you know you will never turn around the meaning to the original meaning of the swastika. It is not going to happen. You lost not because the, the collective consciousness of the world can't get past the horrible Nazis, but because of the fucking atrocities that were committed under that one symbol. It's just not going to happen. It's like trying to take back the Egyptian fucking cross. No, Christians fucked that up. You're yeah. not getting the original fucking shit back. Like, they fucking ruined it. Yeah. Own, just accept it. Just come to terms with it. It won't cost you the cost price of a banner or a plane or gas to fly the plane to pull the banner. And it, obviously, I think this was all, you know, much like those uh, wackos, uh, Satanic Temple people. Mm. This was probably just to draw more hits to their website. Oh, yeah. Honestly. But, which, you know, congratulations, I think you probably did. Uh, but it just it makes know. you look even fucking dumber than you actually are. So you're not really doing it in a good way. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, anything else you want to touch on? Nah. 
Fuck that. You know the swastika actually had really good beginning messages? I don't give a shit. So did like <laughs> a bunch of, you know how, uh, how many times words change meaning over the like lifetime yes. of a word? Yes. It's just, yes. it's okay. Like shit evolves. Get over it. Anywho. What other what other things would originalists uh, want to convert? Like if you could if you could convert the meaning of one word or one symbol or one idea back to some ancient or origin, what what would it be? Do you have anything? I don't have anything that leaps to mind, Adam. I should have I should have uh, threw that one the out before the meeting. You've ever asked me, but. <laughs> 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 but I do think of like the people who are so um, adamant, like adamantly, uh, they're attached to this idea that begging the question doesn't mean what everyone thinks it means. You know, I get and I get it. Like at first, I was kind of like, "You're not using that term correctly." But and then I realized, <laughs> well, you know what? I lost. Like the people won. The people who decided that begging the question means, br- you know, brings up another question instead of its original meaning. Finally, I saw like, oh, they won this one. We just we just have to concede defeat and begging the question. It now means what everyone thinks it means. And it's the same with the swastika. They have to go, okay, it used to mean peace, but its meaning has evolved. Now it means whatever, you know, genocide, whatever, Hitler, um, <laughs> whatever it was he was into. I can't remember now. <laughs> I think it was cat fucking. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, some kind of <laughs> business, but funny business. But um, yeah, shenanigans. You know, we, you lost. I can't go. You can't just keep flying banners over New York beaches that say begging the question actually means a circular law. You know, it's just you, <laughs> you lost. You just fucking stop thinking about it because it doesn't matter. That begs the question. Are- <laughs> <laughs> Is Obama the best president, the worst president or the best worst president ever? Dun, dun, dun. Well, I'm glad you asked because I just read a really interesting article by this guy named Mark Morford, and it appeared um, somewhere. I forgot to write that part down. But uh, um, SF Gate. Yeah, SF Gate. Right. So this is from July 8th, and I I'll read most of it. I'm not going to read all of it because it's pretty long. But uh, so it's a, it's kind of a short story almost. It's almost like a prose rather than yeah. a news article. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, he writes: Obama is the worst thing to ever happen to this country declares the wealthy, rakish, silver-haired, Newport Beach white guy to a small group group of perfectly tanned, 50-something females sitting just a few feet away from us at a stunning restaurant patio overlooking the sun-kissed California coastline just off Highway 1. As he sipped his Pinot and adjusted his wraparound Ray-Bans, flushed from the economy's spectacular recovery that has benefited the exact demographic most of all, stroking his purebred dog and taking various selfies with their $500 phones, oblivious to the furious swirls of irony and hypocrisy fluttering just above their heads. Now, is it me or does this guy come across as just a little bit um, pretentious and maybe judgmental? I don't. This Which one, the Newport Beach guy or the author? No, the author. I mean, he seems to be making a whole lot of assumptions about this person and his five hundred. Well, it starts off as um, very fact based. Uh-huh. It goes into a little bit of uh, assumptions later on, yeah. but it's setting it's setting the stage for his okay. his All core right. concept. Maybe I'm just I've just rubbed a little wrong. Okay, so that's my editorial side. Remember that. <laughs> okay, I laughed out loud. Couldn't help it. I just I had just overheard Mr. Newport Beach say something about how Obamacare is an unmitigated disaster. 
despite how, of course, it's not. And if America were to somehow actually develop a healthcare system similar to, say, Canada's, that would be the end of America for certain. We'd never recover from such a devastating blow or something. And then came the worst thing to ever happen, quip, and I couldn't hold back. They didn't hear me, of course. The orgasmic thrum of their perfect lies drowned out my chuckle. And as I turned and looked at this beautifully entitled happy crew from my vantage point, only a few feet away, but a million light years in perspective, we all shared one of the most spectacular envied locales in the world. And all of us sipped superb regional gripe and not a single one of us suffered the slightest personal, social or economic indignity. Every first world need instantly met, every crab cake perfectly formed, the sunshine as flawless as Jesus on toast, and no lines at the restroom, and lots of free parking for his Lexus SUV. A few thoughts struck me all at once. The first was how nice this group all seemed. And of course, they probably were, and I imagine if we had all met under different circumstances and been chatting about, say, the weather or the soul-exploding coastline, I'm sure we would have been fast, easy friends noting that if we wanted to remain that way, we'd never talk about politics or religion. Even so, I desperately wanted to ask Mr. Newport Beach what his stock portfolio looked like a mere six or seven years ago when Bush and company ravaged the country and led us into one of the deepest, most brutal social and economic pits in modern history. Did he lose half his net worth? More? Was he worried he couldn't feed his family or pay his mortgage? Did he lose his house? His job? Did he blame Bush? Clinton? Islam? The gays? And by the it way, the it was the gay. And by the way, it was the gays. <laughs> um, no. And by the way, how does he like the recovery so far? Which of his three perfect multi-million dollar homes was he on his way to right now? Anyway, should I keep going? He just goes on no, and on I, about. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, at the very end here, it, it does yeah. this really, really wonderful way of um, like sort of encapsulating everything that he was uh, mm-hmm. sort of bringing up earlier on. Um, the unmitigated hate for Obama comes from the right, but the real disappointment comes from the left. So the irony here is that this wealthy, um, well-to-do gentleman is complaining about Obama when Obama is doing nothing if not benefiting said 1% Mm -hmm. white man, saving their economy for them, um, ending disastrous wars, and making sure that the 1% have the every opportunity that they possibly could. Meanwhile, all of the people that voted Obama in to do the exact opposite, which is care about the rest of the populace, is complaining because he's not fucking doing what he said he would do. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a fair amount of irony that everyone thinks that Obama is uh, this failed president when he's done what he has as every politician knows uh been mandated to do by his donors yeah. <laughs> and who are his donors big fucking business of course he's taking care of the fucking one percent and they're just fucking fucking railing on him for it it's so funny what do you think i don't know i mean <laughs> i i um I don't know. I, I think Obama has gotten so sort of out of hand. The idea that people hate him so vehemently is strange to me because I get that he kind of made a bunch of promises that he didn't kind of fulfill. Uh, but he is taking care of a lot of people. And especially like this, I think this guy's point, Mr. Newport Beach, is being very well taken care of. Yeah. 
So I'm not sure who who now has the problem with Obama. <laughs> I'm confused by who Obama's pissed off recently. Well, and that's just it. I, the people mm-hmm. who he's pissing off are the progressives. Yeah. Um, the people that uh, Fox News, for example, and um, oh, who's that fat fucking mouth on radio that um, Rush Limbaugh? On. Limbaugh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so. Uh, he's he and Fox News are both you know this coordinated effort of saying that Obama is actually doing bad for America, which is ironic mm-hmm. because they're the ones benefiting from Obama's administration the most. It's so it's it's just this weird, and that's why the the, the title of this, the setup of this, I just absolutely loved it because it it points the finger of uh, hypocrisy so well. If like if you really cared about America. You would not be for Obama because America is more of a social construct. Um, The concept of America is coming from the very bottom and moving to the very top, which we see less and less possible as the years go by. You cannot just blame Obama for that, but Mm -hmm. that is the trend of what America is becoming. Um, And so I love it. You know, you have these really wealthy, um, well-off individuals shouting about how um, uh, Obama is uh, tearing down America. They're sitting in a fucking vineyard. If they have to fucking shit, th- are they worried about clean water? Are they worried about where they're going to get their fucking next meal like the rest of the fucking world or a large portion of America itself? Are they worried about w- if they can even make their fucking mortgage? I, do they have a job? Are they getting paid more than, I would say, the next... Uh, in line for their position combined up to 10? Probably fucking Lee. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy that the... the And it's it always comes down to taxes or losing what America really is. Well, okay, well, so what is America? Slave owners? Like, we lost that a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> so how about you shut the fuck up, pay your fucking taxes, and enjoy the most well-off and free fucking country that exists on this fucking earth... And look at the reality behind it and say, yeah, he's done some kind of shitty, really fucking morally questionable things. And he continues to do them, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in the fucking upper 1%, you shouldn't fucking worry about it because you're fucking taken care of. Like, he's got your back. The people who really should hate Obama, who really should fucking be like shouting at the top of their lungs, are the extreme progressives, are the um, downtrodden. Are, are the people who, who really actually wanted a single-payer system that would actually really benefit them as far as health care goes? Like, those are the people who should really fucking care. But they're the fucking defenders of Obama. It, it's so fucking backwards. It is insane. Yeah. I, I have some really wonderful listeners who uh, love to argue with me about oh, Obama. Awesome. Just sending in little... Like long-winded emails saying, "Well, you don't actually realize that you should check out this." And <laughs> um, I don't pretend to be an expert on Obama. I do I not do. pretend to be an expert. Well, I mean, Aaron, obviously, I pretend is. all Duh. the time to be an expert <laughs> at a lot of things. It's my Halloween costume this year. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> expert on Obama. So, yeah. <laughs> just wear a sign that says, "Ask me about Obama." I was just actually going to wear blackface. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I hope to be there for that. And, and get pictures now. of me getting stabbed in the face. And curbs talk. Anyway. Yeah, I can't wait. Anyway, I, I do actually suggest people read this article because it is 
It is in line. If you can, if you can get past your uh, preconceived notions or your your hatreds or your uh, whatever, just read it for what it is. It's interesting. It's a little obnoxious, but there are some interesting tidbits that you may learn something from in it. So definitely check it out. Uh, I'm actually really excited. Let's cut this short and do a little down the crossroads. You want to do this? Cut the shit and do a little Fuck down yeah. the crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> There you will. Sure you won't stay out in this blackout? Sure is dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. See yourself. What are you doing out here? Oh. I'm headed down to the crossroads. <laughs> Wait, miss. You can't be. You're the, you're the devil. devil. But you're, you're beautiful. beautiful. Just sign here. Oh my god. Hello, everyone. This is your your good friend Aaron, and this is Down to the Crossroads. Woo! Down the Crossroads! Yeah! Please, please sit down. <laughs> You're embarrassing me, everybody. No, please. <laughs> Shit's fine. Thank you. It's good to be back. I feel like it's been a hundred years since I've spoken with you. Seriously. What's up with that? What's up with like a I bunch of extra Sundays in a month? <laughs> yeah, that, that that there's that, and then there's just like my like I, I I need my Aaron fix. I know. And when I don't have it, it's like it's like me not getting my heroin fix. I know. You know, I don't have I don't I have like a, a substitute. Yeah, it's weird. No. It's either it's like heroin or Aaron. Chocolate sometimes is a good substitute, but yeah. Know. Ask for the real thing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week's down to the crossroad. I'm calling Gandhi dancing in the hobo jungle, and it's a part, <laughs> part one of, of two of a two parter. It's a two parter because I got so into it that I just could not drop this notion because mm-hmm. I realized I'd never done like um, a train sort of theme. And uh, I got really swept up in it. So this first part is going to do it's we're going to talk about just the early stuff, the Gandhi dancers. Um, Before we go to that, where can people find this playlist? Oh, on Spotify, you know, Um, I'll, (laughs) (laughs) I'll post a link to it on my down to the crossroads Facebook page. And, you know, it's on the nine cents website as well. Okay, so definitely everyone (laughs) check this out. It is on the intertubes for you, collected by Aaron for you. So, so, so pause this. Open up a new tab. Go ahead and find the Spotify link on the Down to the Crossroads Facebook page. Sync this shit up, and then you will be golden child. Hell yeah, it's gonna be good stuff. Because otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, it's just me and Adam like talking about blah blah blah. You want to hear this music? That's the important thing about it. So, I mean, I go to all this fucking trouble. <laughs> what a kill to just you know sing to. Okay, all right. So let's go ahead and hit play. This first song, we call it the train lining song. Wait, wait. wait. Okay, so yeah. Gandhi dancing. Where does that yeah. come from? Okay, so Gandhi dancers. Um, they're the guys that work on the railroads. They were the African American fellows. Mostly men and women, actually, who um, who worked on the railroads and basically built the Southern Railroad system. Um, the name comes from, well, it's sort of 
disputed still where the name comes from, but Gandhi might have been um, like a Chicago railroad company that made the tools that they used when they were fixing the tracks, the railroad tracks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the dancing is just the part where they're, you know, moving tracks around and they're, you know, the movements are all synchronized that they do together. Um, And so, you know, but some other theories have been that they resemble a gander, like the male goose, but that's just fucking absurd if you ask me. Um, Mm -hmm. But so it's a work song, you know, Gandhi dancers were, they sang work songs, which I have, I'm sure talked about before, especially in the terms of like the prison work songs. Um, This particular song that we're listening to now, the track lining song by um, John Gibson, also known as Black Samson. Uh, This is John Lomax's recording. And he, um, you know, in in 1933, he went on this Tour, John Lomax did. He was an ethnomusicologist. I'm sure I've discussed him before. He and his son, Alan Lomax, are pretty famous in the folk music, folk blues music stuff. So, you know, 1933, like, he and John took, like, these really primitive recording devices down on a tour of the southern prisons because, and he wanted to visit the prisons because he wanted to do field recordings of the songs that the prisoners sang. <clears throat> the cool thing about it was, and the reason he went, he went to prisons mostly was that, um, you know, he knew that they were segregated, you know, black and white prisoners didn't co-mingle in the 1930s, um, especially in Texas. So, you know, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, this is all these places he visited. And, um, so he felt like the conditions in the segregated prison populations pretty closely resembled what the slave conditions were like when these, you know, because that's where these songs came from, were the field mm-hmm. ho- field hollers that the uh, slaves would sing when they were picking cotton, you know. Um, so primitive recording device, and and he, you know, he recorded all these men, and he, he on this tour he found Lead Belly, who is pretty well known. I think maybe everyone's heard of Lead Belly, um, but he, you know, John Lomax discovered Lead Belly on this tour of the Southern State prisons, and. I've talked a lot about Robert Pete Williams and, you know, he was in prison when he was discovered, Lead Belly, and they were both, you know, a lot of these blues artists were pardoned because they were such incredible artists from, you know, even though they had killed men, they're like, ah, you know, yeah, that's pretty good. So, yeah. I didn't really like the guy anyway, but you can really fucking sing. Right. Yeah. Who gives a (laughs) shit? Like, they only murdered other, like, poor black men anyway, so... You know, they didn't care, really. Oh, it's just like it is today. I mean, I don't want to get all off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to them, it was the same. Life, you know, their lives didn't matter as much. But so, yeah. So the Gandhi dancers, that's what these men that worked on railroads. And it was, you know, you can hear a lot of similarities to military cadence. You know, the, what is it, Jody calls? Is that what they're called? <laughs> you know, like. That's uh, some of it. Yeah, it's just cadence. Yeah, yeah. Cadence. Calling cadence. Yeah, like call and response. You know, it's the same sort of idea where there would be a, a a guy known as the caller or call man, and he would stand with the crew and he would sing. He would sing instructions, you know, actual commands. Um, and that they were those commands, those calls were answered by the men who were lining the railroad tracks. You know, so they had these these big spikes, and the caller would call a command to like you know, basically sort of like heave ho. (laughs) And it was, you know, so many similarities with like 
the drums of like the tribal drums of Africa and then gospel and blues and this really closely related to sea shanties, you know, the like seamen would sing shanties to heave the sails up. It was, yeah, that sort of heave ho, like a call and response. And yeah. like, um, you know, a lot of, like I said, the, oh, and like uh, lumber men, they had like a, like that, let the hammer ring kind of, it was just a cadence and it was a cadence call and it was a way to, like I said, make actual commands, but also another, also to lift spirits and, you know, singing is fun. Try singing and not being, you know, feeling better. It just, <laughs> it doesn't work that well. If you're singing, you're at least feeling, even if you're, you know, covered in sweat and shit and it's still For every better. job that must be done, there's an element of fun. You find the fun and snap, the job's a game. I could yeah. go on, but I you, I wish you would, actually. <laughs> For every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake. A lark, a spree, it's very clear to me that a spoonful oh, of Erin helps them. Medicine, go down. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sorry. I had too, much, too many fucking <laughs> sisters and too much of that. Um, I, okay, you just... Explained to me, mm-hmm. without me even asking, why I loved calling Cadence so oh, yeah. much in the military. It's great. It's the <laughs> the rhythm of it that I, I love so much in all of the blues and the gospel that I listen to. And I'm not talking about, like, white people church gospel. I'm talking right. Baptist gospel. Right. Where you have fucking passion. And it is, you know, everything you do has a rhythm to it. And if you can sing to that rhythm, why why the fuck wouldn't you? Right. Like, that's insane. Why wouldn't you? So it was it was this thing that we used to do in basic training where if even if you were just shining your shoes or, you know, whatever you were doing, if you could find a rhythm to it, you would just you would just sing. And then other people would come in and they would join you. And it it was it was so much fun uh, being a sergeant in, in control of uh, squad when you're marching in formation, being able to or, or running is actually when you do the most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're calling that cadence, it, it just feels good. It takes your mind off of it. You can run further, farther, faster if you're singing while you're doing it. And it, it's just this really, really wonderful way of moving through life and being vocal and entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, OK, let's move to the next song. Um, yeah. This one's called Rosie, and it's oh, isn't it great? <gasps> I have to be honest with you. Of all the kind types of music I've discussed, all you know, the blues. Obviously, I love more than anything. But if I had to pick like a sort of subgenre of blues, it is definitely the Negro work song, and this song, especially Rosie, is probably moves me more than anything else I've ever heard. <laughs> and this song, Rosie, and the next song that I'm going to play, they mean more to me than than almost any song by any artist anywhere ever. And it's just prison. It's prisoners, you know, and they're just doing this just to get by. You know, they weren't making this music for me, <laughs> certainly. They weren't making this music for anyone but themselves. And I think that has almost everything to do with my deep, deep love for this music. They were so good. Yeah, they were making this music to there's two things in life, you know, um, working and playing, basically, you know, and sleeping is the other third. But, it, you know, this music was made for the two most important waking things that a human being does. And that's get through the workday and try to fucking make the best of it, you know, 
And this is what this, you know, this song and the other songs, you know, all these field haulers and work songs, that's their main purpose was to synchronize the movements of these men because precision wasn't really important when you're laying tracks, you know, Uh, trains derail because people are moving in synchronicity. Um, And they were playing a, a really important role. They were moving these tracks that got kicked out of whack, you know, by trains rolling over them constantly. And they synchronized their movements by these, um, you know, this Gandhi dancing track line songs. This, um, So it served a real, real purpose, you know, a real practical purpose. But it also was just a way to fucking pass the time and a way to make that time somewhat enjoyable. And the cool thing about it was that these work songs were generally encouraged by, you know, the slave owners or, you know, when when it wasn't slaves doing it, when it was just men, you know, railroad men, most of which were African-American in the South, you know, you know, the the boss man encouraged this kind of behavior because it was increasing the out, work output and, and maintaining morale, which is the most, you know, two most important things at work is output and morale. Yeah. So, um, you know, the song Rosie has everything. It, it, it sort of touches on religious themes it touches on women and the you know one of the things that i've seen several documentaries about gandhi dancers and one of the things that is most brought you know most often brought up is the sexuality of it (laughs) you know some of the guys say if you really want to move a track you make a sexy call and uh (laughs) you know rosie is be my you know woman and i'll be your man it's like i'm gonna make your belly grow i mean it's all just about like about this woman um you know, but that also there were some. You know, this is also mixed. This one song also has religious, you know, um, allusions in it too. And you know, it's it's just fucking. I just fucking love it so much. I don't, <laughs> I don't even it was know. So good. Yeah. It was so good. There's just something so um, perfect about that kind of. It's you know when jo- when Alan Lomax and John Lomax were recording these sessions they were just so moved by the uh, you know I bring this I say that authenticity I bring that up a lot but there's something incredibly authentic about this kind of music what was great is you know we we've talked about trying to recreate uh music before and 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 how much it, it always fails and mm-hmm. and part of the authenticity of of stuff like this and and really part of what what makes it um, what takes it from that? Well, this is just people singing a song to people feeling it. Is is the the attitude, the the rawness of their delivery? So, I mean, this guy, he was play. He could have just been, ba 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 ba. But mm-hmm. instead, he was like, you know, he was just yeah. going crazy with it and having so much fun with it. And it was so goddamn good. It's it's mm-hmm. the, he's putting himself into it. So instead of uh, just singing, he is actually being what he's singing, and and just putting little notes and hints of who and what he is in it, and it is so goddamn good. <laughs> that track was amazing. It yeah. was so fucking good. I actually couldn't put my favorite. Song. There's one song. It's called Early in the Morning, and um, I could listen to that if I had to pick one song to listen to for the rest of my life, it would be that song early in the morning. And it's not on this list. Um, I can't remember why. I think it was too long. It would have made the whole thing a little bit too long. But um, early in the morning and let the hammer ring. Those are two songs that I wish I could have included on this list. They're not going to make it on, uh, you know, the part two either, because I've already got those songs picked out. But um, so 
if anyone's still listening, <laughs> I would, <laughs> you know, and is really interested in, I would seek out those two songs as well, because, um, you know, there's a million songs I could have put on this list and I feel terrible that I couldn't fit those two on here. But, um, so the, the third song I picked and I'll hit play now on this, it's called ain't no more cane on the Brazos. And, I came to this song actually sort of through the back door. I heard the version that the band did because um, Rip Danko is my favorite member of the band and he sings this song and I, I was so fucking in love with his version, you, you know, years ago when I was still listening to the band all the time, which <clears throat> um, I'm actually still doing. Um, <laughs> but, and then, you know, it's one of those moments and these are the moments that I live for where uh you know, I've been loving this song, Ain't No More Cane on the Brazos by the band for like, I don't know, 10 years of my life. And then somehow I finally find out that it's like an old prison work song. And I'm just and then I that's when like everything makes sense. <laughs> you know, when the life has meaning again is when I go, oh, my God, it's an old like Gandhi dancer song. So, you know, that's part of my re reason for including it here. And also it's just one of my one of my favorite songs again of all time uh this song it's been covered by everyone lead belly did it like i said the band bob dylan's done it lyle lovett did it terribly um ian uh the guy from deep purple did a cover of it i mean it's been covered a bunch of times um and it's just fucking amazing this is everything that music needs to be and he you know he, he goes on and on he, the brazos river is a river in, in texas it runs to the gulf of mexico and the reason that so many prison songs talk about the brazos river and the brazos river valley is because it runs almost every prison in texas for some reason is built sort of on the brazos river so as alan lomax like i said earlier and then his son later i'm sorry john is the father and then alan later made this tour of the southern prisons they all all of the prisoners talked about the brazos and uh that's why the song is so well known so often covered is <laughs> that it all started in the prison system of uh like you know central texas yeah so is there a difference for you between what is obviously a cadence-driven um, uh, rail song, we'll say, yeah. versus uh, a prison song uh, in this? Because this very much, I, I could not see this being mm -hmm. uh, really done well if they're actively working when they're singing it. Whereas Rosie, which we uh -huh. just listened to, would definitely be an active working song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so this what's song that difference for you? Well, I mean, yes, definitely Rosie and then a bunch of the other songs like the song Let the Hammer Ring. They sort of have a, a built in um, moment for when the actual work takes place. You know, like um, when they're sort of doing the whole uh, go down, old Hannah, let your hammer ring. And when they hit the yeah. ring, it's when they drive the spike in and that's what the the hammer ringing is that's what the hammer ring is is when the um you know metal hammer hits the railroad spike so and they have all these built-in moments where that's the whole point is let your hammer ring is and when they hit ring is when you hit the spike in and the you know the hammer rings and uh so songs like rosie have that built-in sort of um tempo and timing um, but, and, and, you know, ain't no more cane, I can't, ain't no more cane on the Brazos. It has those moments too, if, but this version of it doesn't include those. 
but it's still there. You can still hear it. And a lot of the other versions you can hear like those built in moments of the work in between the singing. Right. And it's really just the rhythm of it. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what it comes down to. So yeah. that, that was really good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I dug that. <laughs> I'm glad. So out of these three, what's your favorite? Of these three? Oh, jeez. I think Rosie is one of my favorite songs of all time. But yeah. ain't no, I don't know. I don't. Please don't make me choose. <laughs> okay. I couldn't. I, I really like the slow calls, this sort of uh, internal pain of, of wishing or just being stuck where you are that ain't no more Cane on the Brazos came through for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the it's the bold cadence of Rosie that I, I just love. I, I, I just yeah. It's so fucking good. It just puts me back in the military for a little bit um, with, you know, the personalities uh, of, of some cadence callers and then, you know, what you would want to emulate to make it more interesting, but then also the historic uh, grounding and realities of sort of the horrible things that, that, that forced this music uh, to exist. Um, I, it's just so beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad. Well, where can the good folks listening find you online? Uh, you know, the Facebook down to the crossroads page, and I'm on Twitter at uh, Chelsea Girl 19. Uh, that's about it. Instagrams, uh, the Twitters. Instagrams. Sure. I love those with a little bit of milk. Mm. Ugh. Instagrams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely follow Erin online. Uh, I'm sure she's going to be putting uh, some more of the Ganda dancing tunes on her Facebook page, and you will definitely want to check that out. As long, I'm sorry, in addition to, uh, fucking retarded, um, in addition to this playlist. So definitely check out the Facebook page. It's also going to be on 9centspodcast.com. We're going to update it in the morning. And for everyone out there, that's going to do it for another show. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Just proofread everything you send. Let me know of any <laughs> suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Mondays via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 cents via iTunes by searching 9 cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you have trouble finding the latest episode, shoot me an email. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And remember... The only way we're going to keep doing this thing is if you share and tell it to someone else that doesn't already listen. Share nine cents. Help us out. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by the lovely... Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> and until next week, hail Satan! Hail Satan!